I am unashamed. What about you? It takes 21 days to break a habit. I, yeah, but but when you get off, when I've gotten off of the off of the phone, for I feel better. Like if I go on a vacation, I've done this before. Or I just oh yeah, that's true. I've been off of it. Besides phone calls and <laughs> stocks and LSU football, I've been off of it three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot, though, man. You had a lot of exceptions. Yeah. There. Not really. Well, I mean, except for social media. No social media. I'm saying for me, I'm off completely except for phone calls, social media, emails, and web browsing. I don't get on it for any other I purpose. don't web browse. I don't social media. Well, ESPN, you're looking up. I mean, once every two or three days, I'll look some scores up. Occasional scores. Yeah, it's not. It's about one minute, about three minutes a week. I'm fine on that. Yeah, I'm not. I felt like I could live without my phone, though. Oh, I know. I only use it for stocks, text. I mean, I wish I didn't have it. Well, because I've called you more times than I can remember, and you're you're the hardest Robertson besides Phil to get a hold of. (laughs) But at least Phil, he's got a landline that I know I'm going to catch him at some point. You're difficult to get. Well, number one is I never answer the phone of any number I don't recognize, ever. Well, so some of you, one of you gets my number out there and you call me. Don't, I'm never gonna. You're gonna have to text me and tell me who you are because I'm never gonna. Don't say you. never. I wasn't either until I got hooked up, you know, filming this deal. Now I'll get random numbers. And then they send me a text, which is fine. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Once you let yeah. me know who you are, it's not that I don't mind talking to people. But I'm saying I'm never just gonna take a shot. And I, huh, well, well, here's what's this funny. Is. This guy said, "Hey, this is whatever," and uh, we were filming. You know, he, he had a descriptive message. And I said, what was your nickname? Because <laughs> that, whatever the answer to that was. That tells you, do I really know you? Do, yeah. And so he told me. I was like, yes, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice that, that I don't, you can't leave a message either. Nah. And so I kept having people tell me, I said, well, you haven't set your message up. I said, yeah, I know. They're like, well, you need to do that. I said, no. Why? I said, had, because I can leave a message for you. I said, yeah, but then I'd have to return it. No. Uh, I mean, it's either real time or nothing for yeah. me. It's, oh, it's, I've had the same argument. Yeah. I mean, I had people in the business profession say, oh, just a heads up, you don't have your voicemail set up. I said, I know. <laughs> and they said, oh, you know what? Is there a problem? I was like, yeah. She said, what's the problem? I said, I don't want people to leave a message. That's, <laughs> That's exactly that. Well, well, why? I, I said, because then I would have to read it. I see a number I mean, I've uh, never seen before. Listen to it. And every once in a while, in a moment of weakness, I say, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm still alive. <laughs> see, I don't answer so They were that. probably just interested in, in how you were doing. So you no, gave them Phil, that. He's saying that. that know, they answer okay. him. I was like, Phil, don't do it. I say, it's an un, un, uh, <laughs> the unnamed number. Yeah. Phil. And then he's like, yeah, I'm still alive. Bonk. <laughs> I, was like, I told you, I told you not to do it, but he does it every time. Because I think you reach a certain age if the phone rings, you must answer it. That's well, right. I, I've never seen an unnamed caller or like the spam, and I've answered it and it not been spam. Right. Yeah. And they're hundred percent correct. If it says spam, risk and you answer it, it's spam. Why is this still a thing in our country? Nobody's listening to this. Are there actual people that are falling for well, this? Must oh, be yeah. ones like Dad, but that have a cell phone. I guess they're they're still listening. I mean, well, they're they're slick about it. I got one the other day. the The lady calls and said that my um, Amazon there's a purchase on Amazon, 
And so then the, I'm like, and I was like, eh, I don't know if that's true or not, but it was a fraudulent purchase. So I hit the the button, you know, pay, and then the guy's like, yeah, give us your name and all the – I'm like, <laughs> but I could see how someone your was Your social security it. number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, well, I mean, there, I had one called. I didn't answer it. They sent me a text and said I had a relative that had lost ten million, that had left me $10 million. <laughs> you so, knew that wasn't true. Well, I just deleted it, and I thought, well <laughs> – that was a big move, <laughs> if true. <laughs> well, the ones that the common one now, and this comes more from email, is that somebody it'll be somebody you know. Yeah. But mostly somebody you hadn't heard from in a long time. And it's like, hey, we're in London. We came over for a vacation, and I meant to get my daughter, blah, blah, blah. And can, can, but can you just do a visa card for me? If you'll give me the information, then I'll do the card. You know, something like that. And they're just like, well, really? <laughs> like, I hadn't talked to you in about two years. You're going to be hitting me. I mean, I knew then the first time I ever got first I light was like, well, it came legitimately from this person's email that I know. Yeah. But then I realized some, some you know. Yeah, that's what they do. They they take a person on your Rolodex, give you a seemingly. Right. But I just think you got, as Phil would say, all your Christmas lights <laughs> must not be flickering. <laughs> If if it's gone to this process, yeah. I wouldn't consider that a well. Fan. But one one thing you do know because of just capitalism is that if they're doing it, then somebody's giving they them money. Doing. They wouldn't be doing it if they weren't getting oh, a few they're hits. Making, they're making money. Yeah. So some people are following. Well, I mean, Missy's uh, grandma before she died, she had had two or three in count where she sent a bunch of money off somewhere. It was all scams. Yeah. That's what's not, that's what's sad. Not all there, you know. You're thinking it's legitimate, and they're just taking advantage of people. Right. We need to do something. That that's I would call that under the headings of inventing ways of evil. Oh well, yeah, no swindler. doubt. Swindler, First Corinthians six. Swindlers. 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 A lot of swindling going on. A lot of it going on. Yeah, I've been accused of being a swindler. Oh, we already, I, I play cards. I just realized we were doing the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we've been rolling for the last real life. Zach, Six welcome, minutes. <laughs> welcome to. See, Zach hadn't been here a lot in person. Yeah. So he doesn't know. A lot of times we just turn it on and then see what happens. When are we going to start? We started <laughs> six minutes ago. <laughs> welcome. How are we going? I'm glad you didn't say anything bad. I know. It could have been, been ugly. <laughs> no, right. but I, I, look, Dad has said it before. Everybody he asks. You know what's the benefit of would you would you like to not have a cell phone? Almost everybody says yes, because so much is tied up into it, and, and, and we're all sound like we're making efforts to not be tied up. By it. But some people are just engrossed. Would you say, Jay's is like a body part, an appendage, an appendage oh, on the phone? Yeah, yeah. I've concluded people would rather die of a car wreck than miss a certain message. <laughs> yeah, because I pass them every day. Yeah, so the, the way this discussion started for the audience is, is that me and Jace were discussing which, which company is more essential, Amazon or Apple. The stock market's tanking. This is the biggest decline in the stock market in a month. It's, what month is it, January? Yes. January. It's January of, uh, what year is this? 2022. We're at the end of January. At the end of January, because I'm not sure what they're running this. And now everybody is fleeing the exits of the stock market. Mass, panic, chaos, the algorithms, robots. Kramer said, don't panic. (laughs) Kramer said, do not panic. Well, panic is not a strategy. 
so you were asking me, and I was like, well, you have to pick, if you're out of cash, you have to pick your highest conviction companies and just pour it in there and say, here we go. This is an opportunity. Yeah. This is it. Don't be, you know, telling your wife that you've lost all your money and all this because she's not going to understand that. You can't say it's coming back. Yeah, that's most of the time when people say that, that means they're fixed to go broke. But in this case, which is when I said that Amazon is more essential to the economy than Apple. And and you brought up the point that people are so dependent on their cell phones that I do believe that. I mean, I believe I, I listed three or four companies that we are basically dependent on Amazon, Microsoft, Apple. I don't know if I listed anymore, but those were off Facebook. the top of my head. Yeah. I don't think I said Facebook, but I think it's yeah, called I think is it, older people there's maybe. A, there, there's yes. an acronym. It's Facebook, Amazon, Fang, Fang, Facebook, Netflix, Google. Netflix, which Netflix just took it on the chin. Yeah, Google. I mean, these are all. This is what people invest in. They they they're weighted heavily on the stocks. I mean, because they're just. I think Apple's actually. But a, you know, look three. They just hit a three trillion dollar market cap. Three trillion. With but, but but let me tell you who's it's a not, lot of zeros. Let me tell you who's not dependent on any of those companies. Oh Phil over here. Oh Phil, oh, he Phil. said no. You are. <laughs> 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 he looked over his shoulder. Are they talking about me? I could, I could, as we were having this discussion, I could feel Phil's presence leave the room. <laughs> he was like, I don't want to part of this. faded away He's like a like, mist. Well, we were having a discussion because we were saying it, it's not a bad investment in Amazon because if they go out of business, probably the world has ended yeah. at this stage. And so I was saying that. And then I made a, I made a case for the phones. I was like, because people cannot function without their phone you see it on the roads but you know what's interesting that i saw maybe five years ago where bezos had told his top people he was like yeah, we got about 20 years to to make the best of what we're doing right now and after that somebody new is going to come up and we're going to be we're out of here it'll be some new thing like us yeah and i thought when he said it because they were so big i thought man this guy has a pretty good, which shows you why he's so big. He's got a pretty good idea that the next thing will knock us out. There'll be something new come along. It's so. hard to imagine that 20 years ago, Amazon, I mean, 1999, I was in college. Right. And we were talking about Amazon, the next big thing. I'm like, that's yeah, if you'd have bought that stock at about $4. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But what well, my point is. I, I actually look. predicted that it would. Ne- I said, that that's the dumbest idea. People are not going <laughs> to shop online. That's, that's right. one way. There's one way. To make a lot of money, you earn it. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> was a, that's or you invest. Look, remember I'm that a, old. Remember that oh old. Oh yeah, the old guy. That, what was that for? That was for somebody like, said that I'm getting a bunch of emails. You know, asking about stock advice. Cause, Cause look, all these people. I say all. Most of them talking on TV. Don't listen to those people. They're all in cahoots with somebody else. They're wanting you to sell a certain stock so they can buy it. I mean, that's what they do. Are they? I mean, it's the way the game is played. But it is, I think it's good to invest because over 150 years, the stock market has gone up over wars, depressions, whatever you want to come up with. It's going back up. They're not going to let it fall. It's a playpen for people with a lot of money. So if you pick great companies right now as an opportunity of at least a decade because it's the worst month since 2008. 
So you have an opportunity, pick the best companies, put your little money in there, money you don't need, forget about it, check back with me in 10 years. Then, you know, then you can give me some kind of fantasy text, not an actual one. It says, thank you, Jay. The, the last time you told me that I bought Amazon, and I'm, today I'm down 19% from, <laughs> from, that, well, from that day. I should have clarified. When you buy, don't go all in at once. You buy in small quantities. <laughs> See, it's it, always the little things. That, well, that's I figured yeah. you just a guy of your. When I'm trying, to, I don't. I'm trying to get you to give a disclaimer on here because I'll got, do it. Yeah. When you buy these stocks, do it in small quantities. Therefore, if it goes down, because these stocks are companies that yeah. you know our world revolves around, so they're good investments. They're at much cheaper prices right now. So you buy in small quantities. You say, oh, no, it's going down. Buy some more. Don't spend all your money on day one. You just slowly. I'm gonna, Phil, I'm going to take your approach, land, real estate, yep. hard assets. That's no so, that, that, that's that was problem. A, I'm just saying yeah. people overthink the stock market because of fear, greed, and panic. They overthink it. It's money that you do not need. If you have some, you can invest when they're everybody's panicking right now because you're like, well, what if it just goes all the way to zero? The world has ended. You don't need it. There's zombies running <laughs> well, the they, streets. Well, it's they over. Were back to trade. That it was a uh, Sir John Gilgood, British actor. Sir, John, I, it, Sir John Gilgood. And I think if I'm not mistaken, it was for EF Hutton. Yeah. He said, they make money the old-fashioned way. They earn it. Yeah. He, he had a, you know, had that British accent. He had to, he had to really stress that they earn. I'm not talking about trading and call options and puts. And I'm saying, pick a company that you say, no, that's a company. That's you it. can look at the fundamentals. I'm not a smart person, but I can look at a balance sheet and say, ooh, not very much debt. Ooh, they're making a lot of money, and it's. Their their brand is pretty much global. I mean, you mentioned Amazon. Yes, right now is a good day to buy some Amazon. Just buy one chair because it's expensive. <laughs> so dig a little deeper, Zach. Yeah. Let's take a break. So I talked about the uh, March for Life, which was a really amazing experience uh, for Lisa and I. It was it was powerful. I mean, the unity we saw, the the common cause of of standing up for you know against abortion. And uh, one of the groups that was there that also sponsors our podcast is a group called 40 Days for Life. And so I wore some of their gear just to support these guys. And they're big supporters of our podcast. So we love what they're doing. They've written a new book because, Zach, you know, kind of being an apologist, it's important to be able to have arguments to share in the kind of greater scheme. And so that's what this book is written for, to give people some idea about how to talk with your pro-choice friend or maybe family member or whatever. So the book is called What to Say When, Hmm. The Complete New Guide to Discussing Abortion. And these guys are, you know, they've been around for a long time. Their work is amazing. They're in a 1,000 cities now in 65 different countries. I think it's 66 now. And uh, so we had them on our podcast. But it's really a great tool, What to Say When, The Complete New Guide to Discussing Abortion, How to Change Minds and Convert Hearts in a Brave New World. And that's kind of was the theme of the whole march. You can go to uh, Amazon.com to get those, or I encourage you to go to 40daysforlife.com, and you can get it directly from them. And also check them out and support these guys. So 40daysforlife.com. So 
I don't want to leave this topic without saying we talked about answering phone calls. Sometimes they're cheats and frauds, but sometimes they're just annoying. There's the Seinfeld. I don't know if you remember it, Jason Seinfeld bit. Seinfeld gets a call and it was from one of these deals. He's, of course, he's still the you know back in the nineties. He's still got a, a landline, and he says, "Oh well, just give me your number and I'll call you back." You know, because I'm busy right now, but I'll call you back at home. And then, of course, you're not listening to the other person. He says, oh, you don't want to give me your number so I can call you during dinner and interrupt you? Now you know how I feel. <laughs> and, and I thought, that's it in a nutshell. It's like, you know, you don't want to be bothered all the time by these calls. So, anyway, references. Yeah, it is annoying. It is annoying. Yeah, and you don't want to be led around by your phone either. No. Or sitting at a roundabout at a full stop because you can't get off phone. the phone. I see it. At least every two days, because we have a lot of roundabouts on our new highway. <laughs> and you just come up there, and here's a fella, or a young lady, who have, they've just stopped. They've stopped. Life right stopped. Right here, in the middle of the roundabout. People on the phone? Blowing, on no, the phone. They're just on the phone. It's like, and roundabouts are not for stopping. No, no, no. That's why, yeah, that, that was a new addition since I moved from here. But Did it's, you notice how it's fixed oh the traffic? Oh, gosh, yeah. I'll say one thing. The Europeans missed it on a lot of stuff. That's why we came over and started our own country. But they have it down on the roundabouts. That's the way to go. Because they fixed Arkansas Road. There's no more waiting unless you get a person stuck on their side. And I like it because you're I, like the red lights. You're you're. I feel like I'm being controlled, and and that and that like the roundabouts. You still have your own autonomy in the whole process. I think you're having some surrender issues. <laughs> I think have some red light. <laughs> I don't like the red lights, but, but I'm not feeling like it. being controlled by the man. Well. I get it. I get it. We're just trying to. <laughs> well, I may, one I may one have thing, a few surrender issues. <laughs> one thing I'll say, we were in, remember when we were in Paris and that big one that's right there around the Chandelier or whatever they call yeah, it, yeah. Chandelier. Mm-hmm. So there's no lanes in theirs. That's crazy. I mean, they're they're twenty deep with no lanes. But that's every man. That's out. every hey, man for himself. That is coming to a redneck community near you, and I I like it. <laughs> well, look, they, they weren't look. wrecking. I mean, they were staying on. They made track. it work, didn't they? They made it work because you know who was in control? The people. That's right. Yeah. The people. Let's get in there. And Life, get liberty, and fraternity, as they would say. In <laughs> Life, I liberty, like and the, the pursuit of roundabouts. I like the idea that I can get someone loose and go around them, and it's all legal. That's right. Yeah, it was NASCAR pretty. Reference. Well, we had a just we, remember you never stop at a roundabout. Don't stop. You got to keep it we, going. That's we the, uh, we filmed a scene right there in that in that place. You yeah. remember that, Phil? We, we filmed a yep. scene right there because that was the backdrop. The dad yeah, was, we were talking about uh, the French Revolution and um, uh, what was the philosopher? Uh, not, oh. well, who was that? Play? It was a philosopher, the, the French, the, the French German philosopher uh, that's uh, Leblanc, Rousseau, Jean Jacques Rousseau. That was cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Leblanc. Yeah, it's the only Leblanc. French. Name yeah, Mont, Mont Leblanc. <laughs> no, there's a guy. He's a French guy that lives about a mile from his Leblanc. That's the only French guy I know. <laughs> hey, you live in Louisiana. It's like when Phil used to say, "Let me." Get back and check the Greek on that. I'll get back to you when somebody asks him a Bible question. Yeah. Well, he had a friend that went to our church who was from Greece. <laughs> and so he met, I'm going to go ask a <laughs> woman Grecian from woman. Greece. Her, her name this, is Kula. Yeah. Who? What this meant in the Greek. I thought that was hilarious. People you thought he was. Me. I'm like, got it. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them think, oh, he's like they a say, Greek you scholar. Get it? So according to the Greek, I got it. Yeah. They're like, where you come in these languages? I'm like, no, I mean the Greek. There is a Greek here. <laughs> Yeah, she's from Greece. She has reading, a Greek Bible. She's that reading she, the Greek Bible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
So when you're, I used to be nervous when I was preaching because I was like, I better check with Kula, make sure I'm nailing this down. Well, I have noticed they do those those Greek when they'll say, you know, this the definition in Greek and they'll give it to you. But a lot of times, it's like you go read some other Greek dictionary and it's like a version of that definition. It's like there's you have options, but they'll just well, pick one that fits. Well, you, and the reason why is because the Greek language, the way it works, they'll have a root word. But then there's a bunch of different variations of that word. There's still an interpretation I mean. involved in it, which is always exactly. funny. That's it, what I said. It's like, but it's like the trump card, right? It's like, well, the Greek, and then okay, well, he knows the Greek. Ooh, well, well, he said exactly. Greek. Yeah, he must, I was he just saying it. that so people listen. Don't be scared of that. I mean, I am not a smart person, <laughs> and I am everybody. Everyone yes, who knows me well knows that. But guess what? I know Jesus. <laughs> God is my Father, and I have the Holy Spirit, and that makes me one of the smartest people on the planet. Amen. Amen. But he, I, he I, chose the foolish to shame the wise. Yeah, I figured out how to how to go see a Greek Bible and look at the English translation and get the gist of. I mean, yeah. I could do that. So, but don't be intimidated by it. But also, to me, it helps you look at the big picture, which has been the my point at Corinth. Yeah. They had missed the relational aspect that there is a living being who's all knowing and all loving and just, and he's surpl- he's uh, supplying the power. I mean, they they have missed it, and so when it comes down later, when we read that, when knowledge puffs up, but love builds up, because it is relational. You know, he just didn't give us a course like we do in our college education system and say, yeah. "Oh, you pass. You're now." An architect. You're now, no, it's not something to study. It's you study to lead to a person that you know and walk with and experience, and that's who you're with. I think there's a place for for a study like that, though, because I think that these a lot of these scholars have preserved, um, you know, the, the scriptures and kind of the integrity of it. So I think it's a place for it. But most people, I mean, I've taken Hebrew, and it was very difficult. Oh, I struggled. Yeah, now, Hebrew I said Greek you can do. Hebrew, I struggled. They have no, no vowels. vowels. Yeah. And I'm everything's like, right you, to left instead of left. Just think. And there's, they, different, and there's different sound, sounds that we don't have in the English language. But just think about I thought about that. Uh, what's the show? You know, Vanna White. Uh, uh, Will of Fortune. Yeah, Will of Look, do you realize there? They're like, I'd like to buy a vowel. We don't do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, you lost your turn. We don't have them. <laughs> I, it's hard for me that, to understand. What if that show is done in Hebrew? You'd never get to yeah. buy a vow. You never get that's to That's what I'm saying. I'm like, that's why it didn't Wheel of Fortune. It's Although I have to say, most of the time when I watch Wheel of Fortune, the buying of the vows is kind of wasting money, in my opinion. Once uh, that you, is true. Once you get one in, like, we don't have to buy all they five. They doing it, and they know it. You know I mean, what you it know is. what it is. My overall point was it's hard to have a word without a vowel. <laughs> well, and there's only eight, what, like 8,000 words in the Hebrew language, at least the biblical Hebrew and um, you know, the, you think about how limiting that is to the English language as we're trying to translate. I mean, our we have I don't know how many words we have, a lot more than eight thousand though. By the way, so when I was in D.C., we went, we did a tour, but with this time a guided tour of the Museum of the Bible. Yeah. Which, by the way, I highly recommend anybody of our listeners if you go to D.C., go to the Bible Museum, and the, our friend the Greens from Hobby Lobby are the ones that basically made it possible for that to be there. Yeah. But what was interesting was this guy who was one of the curators of the museum, 
he really he did a great job because there's so much stuff there it's easy to get lost into but he took us down to the basically the hebrew the greek and the aramaic how all three of those biblical languages became the english language by what we get now and they've got actual artifacts from that but it's very it was very encouraging to me because a lot of people say well how do we know the bible is real go well, through the bible museum exactly. that's I mean, why that's why that's where i was going with this because it's like you saw these problems of Corinth. They were following whoever. With I'm not, and they were spiritual men, but Peter, I think, gave a great clarification in Second Peter one sixteen. Because a lot of people say that they're like, well, how do we know this is God's word? How do we know? But these are people asking these questions that I'm. I'm like, but you haven't experienced a relationship with the author. That's how you know. That's right. Because it's just like me, when I surrendered to the Lord, I was skeptical about, I, I had those same questions. I remember asking myself, well, how do we know that? I mean, this, yeah. You're writing a bunch of letters over a thousand years. Somebody slapped them together and said, yeah, this is it. But once I started reading, I, I quickly realized, oh, wait a minute. This is pointing to a being that it's hard for me to dismiss. It, with the weight of all the prophecy and how everything's fitting together, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I went the other way. I was like, this, this is real. Mm -hmm. I mean, but it was something I had to experience from a surrendered spirit and having God's spirit, which is where I was going with this. When Peter said that, Second Peter one sixteen said, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. We were eyewitnesses. He received honor, glory from God the Father when he heard the voice. Remember when he was uh, on the mountain where he said, this is my son whom I love, with with him I am well pleased, or maybe that was at his baptism. You know, that he said that twice, baptism yeah, and the transfiguration. I think of the transfiguration he added, listen to him, which was an important point that goes with what I'm saying. Hang on, Jess, let's take a break. So I did notice when I was at the uh, the banquet for March for Life, they called the Rose Gala, that one of our sponsors uh, for the podcast was also a sponsor for the gala. It's uh, Patriot Mobile. And, you know, one of the things that is kind of their main um, talking point, I guess, in terms of, you know, what they're doing is that they are a conservative Christian organization. And, and I would dare say probably the only one that's into, you know, providing cell phone, uh, we call it cell phone, Cell phone coverage, like cell phone plans? They provide cell phone plans. So they're really great. They they support Turning Point, CPAC, March for Life. They were there, as I said. I recognized them. So that's their deal. I mean, they sort of represent what we value and what we believe in. And so they want you to check them out. They also have great rates for veterans and first responders. Uh, they're 100% U.S.-based. They have a great customer uh, service support team. So check them out. So go to patriotmobile.com slash Phil or call them at 972-PATRIOT. That's patriotmobile.com slash Phil or call them at 972-PATRIOT. And so then he goes on to say, uh, we heard this voice that came from heaven. Well, yeah, when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Which, and he added that, listen to him. So my point is, why do you listen to this? Well, I think the next two verses explains that 
It says, we have the word of the prophets made more certain you'll do well to pay attention to it like a light shining in a dark place, which is really what happens in all of our lives when we come to a knowledge and relationship with God. Until the day dawns and rises in our hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, which is how we got the Bible. But my point is, it's not too different from how we operate now. I'm not a smart person. I don't understand everything in here, and I'm sure I get a lot of things wrong. But when I'm having a conversation with someone, I have the Holy Spirit of God, and I know I'm trying to lead this person to their creator, and I have all this firepower supplied by God that points people to a, a relationship with Jesus as their Lord, a return to God as their Father, and a power source that gives yeah. them wisdom and fruit that makes the world a better place and gives their life purpose. Well, and we know you don't have to have, <clears throat> you know, super intelligence or superhuman wisdom nope. to understand this. We we studied that one at the first part of First Corinthians, right? And someone has said, Dad, that told us that the Bible is written at about a fifth to sixth grade level in terms of understanding mm -hmm. the basics. But a lot of people don't believe that. But it's true. We I think mean, they, you say it, but they're like, no. But that's just because people have made it more complicated. When you think about it, anything, but that's about the age when you kind of come to a realization of faith. You of may people. not understand everything, but I'm saying you got the basic tenets. Well, it's just saying people don't believe that. There's a lot of people, They their floors are dirt, dirt floors. Great point. They're in the middle of places in South America. That's right. Missionaries go through Africa. There, and they sit there and they listen to a story. And the story is about Jesus. And it's enough for them to say, I'm in. I'm in. They have no education. That's right. Like schooled. Right. None. Zero. Right. But they can get it. It's written on the fifth, sixth grade levels. You know, not many of you were noble birth. He started out with that to the Corinthians. Right. Not many of you were wise by human standards. That's what he meant. He I've listened to preachers, Dad, in person in Africa and other places, guys that are not educated except for in the Word of God powerful yeah i mean they're presenting the truth at a powerful level that impacts me you know sitting yeah. there oh, yeah. it doesn't matter i mean that that makes them wise you know well, how many people say when they're first converted they're like oh i would share my faith with others but i just don't know the verses yeah and i'm like well just introduce jesus to them mm -hmm. tell, yeah tell them what happened with you i mean i i, 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 I love what you said though about the how do we know it's true because i'm also i came up very skeptical um, about because you know you, you particularly when I was working for this company out of San Francisco that was one of the biggest biotech companies in the world. San Francisco. San Francisco. San Francisco. Just asking you. <laughs> I, I didn't live there, but we I did go out there quite a bit. And you know you're 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 around these guys that are you know PhD and different types of applied sciences and bio, biology and all this different stuff, and they're creating incredible stuff. But a lot of atheists, a lot of, like, you get into that world and you start thinking, man, am I the idiot because I believe this? And um, so I was very skeptical. And when I was about 27, I had a, a, a crisis of faith. Um, it was at White's Ferry Road. I was living here. I was kind of up-and-coming leader. You guys were letting me teach Bible class. I mean, I was married. To, we just got married to Jill. I had two kids and decent job. But I woke up in the middle of the night one time about 27, 26 years old, and, I mean, I was, like, in despair. That's well, why, while you're there, I've looked at the ages yeah. when the highly intelligent 
usually make their turn. It's from 27 to about 32. Yeah. Over and over. That's a good point. Over. I think the it's only you, thing well, I can you, figure is after 25 or 30 years, you get in there, yeah. you look at your life and you say, uh -oh. well, I'm not going in a clear direction right now. That's for sure. Well, I was 14, so I was either really dumb or really smart. <laughs> Well, I was a I was a believer. You're a lot smarter than you look. But I was, but I was, he makes a he makes a point. I was 28. So I, well, but I, I would say this: I was a believer at 27, but I was a believer. There's a, there's a, a guy named Blaise Pascal that said um, he was a, a mathematician slash scholar and uh, slash philosopher, and he said if it's even possible that God exists, and you not, and you do not put your faith in him, that you're an idiot because there's eternal reward and punishment to gain. Kind of like poker, like pot odds. Like you got, he's a, he was a, he was a statistician. So he's like, you got to play the pot odds here. If it's possible that he exists, then you have to go all in. And that was kind of how I lived my my faith in Christ. I was like, eh, you know. But the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, I don't know. I don't know. This is true. And but so, see, the relationship would say, but what if he's got it? You're looking at this old boy. Do what? Then the statistics doesn't matter. Like you when you're playing, you do. gave a poker reference, and I'm like, sometimes the odds are telling you something, and if you just went by the stats, you would just say, "Well, I have to." But then you look at this guy, and you're like, "He, yeah, but but I've seen them, Zach, that they come from long distances, all parts of the United States, and when I look at them, I'm thinking to myself, "Yep, I judge him to be about thirty, right around it." I said, "He's he's ready to turn." He's ready to turn because I said, how old are you? And they'll say, how old am I? I said, how old are you? He said, 29. I said, 29. I said, most people turn when they're about 26, 27 to about 32, right along in there. I said, and the reason why is, what is your story? What's your story? You ask them for their story. There's nothing good about it. There's, there's what they say hope. is drugs, alcohol, sex, hey, yeah, yeah. I said, so that's, that's where you are. I said, well, here's my story. Listen to this. I gave him my story. Then I asked him. I said, well, we heard your story, and we heard what highlights it. I said, well, you just heard the biblical story. Which one? Who has the best story? And they all say to the person, you got the best story. Life and immortality was riding on your story. Yeah. And their story is I'm out getting drunk, chasing whores. It's well, at 27 for a man, that's when his testosterone peaks. So maybe it's. There you go. You, you yeah, kind of well, get. I, would add I don't that. get into the yeah, testosterone. Too many, the too many syllables. No, I, 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 think he, I think he's right in the sense. Let's take a break. So, uh, one of our favorite sponsors is a, a group called Good Ranchers. And um, not only do they make quality uh, meats, uh, which we're going to have for lunch today, by the way, Dad. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah, our guys are and and one thing I love about these guys, Zach, is that they're they're believers, but they're also they have a, a ministry background, you know, like all of us do. So they at one time they all worked for a church, the same church, and so they get it, they get what we're all about. They're also you know great for our ranchers and our farmers around the country because I didn't realize this till we started, uh, they started sponsoring our podcast that. A lot of the 85%, up to the 85% of the beef that's coming into the U.S. grass-fed is from somewhere else. They're, they're calling it USA because it's being processed here. But it's really, you know, cheap foreign beef. So we want to try to keep this 100% born and raised and harvested in the USA. I want you to check these guys out, goodranchers.com slash fill, and you're going to get $20 off and free shipping. 
and so you're going to really taste the difference. GoodRanchers.com slash Phil. Use the code Phil at checkout. You're going to get $20 off and free shipping. Check them out. I think he's right in the sense that a lot of them you mentioned, I would add one more caveat, that most of those were raised in some sort of church environment. So you're talking about somewhere got around. lost on, along the way. So it's around 10 years of doing it my way. That's right. For most people. Yeah, they get, yeah, and then you get to the end of it and you're like, and you're like what, what, there's nothing here. It feels meaningless. They're, doing, which, this, they're doing this right here. Well, that's, that's the point I love what Jace was saying. Not, about, not getting anywhere. They not just, getting anywhere. Sinatra. But I didn't know. <laughs> and how'd that work out for you? <laughs> but for me, like I tried to dive into to how do you know this is true through apologetics, which I think is helpful. Uh, and I would look at the evidences, the extra biblical evidences that would, because I didn't want to. What I didn't want to do is 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 to say how do you know the Bible's true? And then someone said, well, because the Bible says all Scripture is God breathed. Well, you know, well, how do you know that 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 that's true? Well, because you're you're reasoning in a circle. Yeah, I believe in the Bible. I do this because the Bible says so. Why do you believe the Bible? Because all Scripture is God breathed. How do you know God breathed? Because it says it in the Scripture. And you're you're reasoning in a circle. And I was like, man, I, that just seemed like insanity to me. Um, and so I searched for extra biblical things that, like the uh, fulfilled prophecies, all the stuff about the uh, you have twenty five thousand manuscripts that were copied, and just all. Then there is a lot of evidence. This supports the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, it's just like you start looking into it. It's like it is incredible the preservation of this document. But I will tell you where I where I landed after, and I and I dove deep, deep, deep into apologetics. So that and that side of it is called evidential apologetics, where you're looking at evidences that the, the where we can defend this with evidence based on science and based on history and based on all these things. Um, but I, ma'am, it's crazy that my view of this morphed over the years. Uh, primarily when I started reading a guy named Francis Schaeffer, and I kind of ended up where you were at. He said, well, how do you know this is true? And and I and I really, the, 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 the truth is because I've tasted the goodness of the Lord as presented I in the Scripture. That's, that's right. I, I mean, me and you, we think a lot alike, and we've talked about that before, and we got there from two totally different places, you know. I mean, I mainly just read the Bible. I mean, but you've read everything there is to read about the Bible. And I just, I don't, I just don't do that. But I would illustrate that Zach with the same way you have a relationship with the Father, and the Son and the Spirit. It's like you and I are business partners. So you'll call and say, "All right, I got this thing. I'm thinking about you. And you're bouncing off of me, and some of it, I'm like, okay, I begin to look like Dad when we're talking about stock market. Then I'm like, he said, "What do you think?" I said, "Well, do you like it?" He said, "I think it's a good deal. Then let's do it." But do you understand the deal? No, but I know you. Yeah. And I know you understand the deal. And so it's relationship oriented. Yeah, that was I mean, my point. Like when you had the poker analogy, right? It's like you you can because a lot of people that I play with they they just try to have a formula based on all math and stats. Yeah, and look, I know all the math, I know all the stats, I know all the odds. But every once in a while, I look over and I'm like, I know this, this guy. guy ain't bluffing. <laughs> <laughs> He ain't bluffed in his life. Uh, Old. <laughs> no, forget the odds. Forget Old. the. It's just because there's a faith. I mean, I was getting to Hebrews 11. One faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Yeah. And I'm like, everything in the world is saying, call. And I'm looking and saying, I am certain <laughs> what I do not see. 
old. Well, th- there was an uh, article that came out a few weeks ago about Tim Keller, who is one of the greatest you know, preachers in America. I think he's got pancreatic cancer, and he's knocking on death's door. And this article was written in The Atlantic, and it was about you know his facing his own mortality. And it's really, really provocative and good. And, like, I mean, it's like, it was kind of a very raw read. And, um, and in it, he says this, because, I mean, Tim Keller's not a lightweight intellectually. I mean, he is a— I've read a ton of his books. I mean, he's a stud. Well, I've never had heard of him, so tell me about him. <laughs> so, so then about him. He, he, he mentions Thomas Aquinas, who I mentioned in the last episode, who wrote arguably one of the most intellectual Christian works ever, and um, uh, Summa Theologia. And, and um, he wrote in there that when he was writing this incredible work, he stopped writing it, and his friend Jerome— uh, this is in like the 1600s. He was like, hey, why, "Why'd you quit writing this like great piece of of Christian literature that's going to change the world? This is your manifesto. I mean, this is the thing you've been the, your whole career. It, everything has been you know uh, leading up to this point. Why did you quit writing it?" And and Aquinas said, "I love this. I mean, this like sums up what we're trying to say here." He said, "I had a beatific experience with God that makes all of my writings seem like straw." Mm. And I I think that that's where I'm at, and where when yeah, I I mean when you're dealing with people, and like Phil, you 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 know this, all these guys that come in there, people are hurting, they're broken. There's no meaning. That book you got right there, you know, about bringing meaning and context. They don't have any of that. But if they can have an encounter with the living God and to see how beautiful He is, I don't need to. I mean, that's that that is it. That's that's I mean, that's, that's how we know. That's why it's a disturbing thing when people say, "Why well, why you keep sharing the same message?" And you know, when Paul said, "I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified," why would you make a statement like that? I mean, why uh, not are, are they bring all these you? deep things? You know, they'll come to you and say, "But why do you keep telling the same story?" Yeah, we know that. I said, but the people seated next to you, they don't. Mm. They just got here. They want to know. Yeah, I'd probably say, but do you know him? <laughs> One thing to know the story, it's another thing to know the person the story is about. There's a difference. And 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 he's he's infinitely glorious and good. So I'm never exactly. gonna fully exhaust knowing the infinitely glorious God. And so that's that's part of the beauty of him is that we continue to get to see him more and more, as it says, as Paul says in Second Corinthians, I think three, that it's uh, from one degree of glory to another. It's 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 just ever increasing. So what well, was that? Ask, what was that quote again? He said. He said. Like he said. I had a beautific. He said I had a beautific experience with God. Well, I thought you mispronounced a word. That's actually well, that's sixteen hundred. It was that a version of beauty. He said I, I saw. You would say he, beautiful. He, he's just saying I saw the beauty of God. I had I a, a, a vision just, of the, the word beautific. I had never heard of. Yeah. Until this moment in my life, in fifty-two years, I just figured I'd run across it. Sixteen, and his writings were was what straw. He said his writings were the greatest, one of arguably the greatest Christian work in history. I mean, it's up there with like Augustine's City of God. I mean, it's, I mean, I mean, whether you agree with Aquinas, or not, I mean, this guy was a heavyweight, and he's like, I did all that, and not to not to take away from it, but he's saying when I when I encountered the beauty of God, it was like rubbish. It's like straw. There's a. Uh, I thought about that, Zach. Let's take a break. First uh, Corinthians three twelve, which we've already looked at. If any man builds on the foundation of Christ, using gold, silver, 
costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. So I thought about when you said that quote mm, from him. Interesting. His work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each he, man's he work. Us, his buddy, the intellectual buddy, he read that. That's why he said it. That's right. That's why he said it. I love that, though, the idea that if he it's straw. He had this thing, you know, he got to thinking probably, I mean, look, the first good good fire I face is going to burn it up. I went went through about five years of my life where, you know, I'm not throwing any groups under the bus, you know, because there's a lot of people that love the Lord in (coughs) various groups across the globe. But the people that would knock on on my door back when I used to answer it, (laughs) and they would, like, want to have a Bible study with me. And I was like, great, come on in, you know. And so I would, no matter what they said, I would just ask them what they thought of the cross of the Lord Jesus and the resurrection. No matter what. Every time there was a pause, I'd say, what about the cross of Jesus and the resurrection that he showed to mankind? And they would go off on another talk. And then I would say, and I think the record maybe was two hours. Mm-hmm. It just, I never left it. <laughs> and finally, I thought I could be the first person that actually made this group of people leave. <laughs> 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 they said, we got to go. We got to get out. We got to He's not. And look, they weren't saying I was wrong. They, they, they weren't saying that at all. But I, I think my point was, and I wasn't being trying to be a butt about it. I was just thinking... If there's something more than what this does in my life, I'll I'll hear it. And and whatever else was said, I thought, nope, that adds nothing. Yeah. So what this is what I believe. And I just I did it over and over and over and over. And so and a couple of them came back and brought somebody else a lot smarter. And you said, What was your philosophy? The exact same. Well, it, it's the simplicity of it. I do think that's what Paul's point is. If you go back to, the, I, I wasn't here when you guys talked about this, but at the at the beginning when he says, uh, you mentioned earlier, I didn't come to you with, with uh, eloquence or superior wisdom. I proclaim to you the testimony I resolved of, of God. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you. And he, he just goes on and on about this. Like he, he's like, dimin- it sounds like he's diminishing wisdom. He's not diminishing wisdom. He's diminishing human wisdom and replacing it with godly wisdom. But if you move down here to, uh, I think he's saying the same thing Aquinas said in verse 6. He says, we, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. But it's just not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are nothing to come, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 1. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, No eye has seen, and no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. Listen to this. What God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it. Well, what is it? It is what he just said. What no ear has, I I have seen, no ear has heard. What God has prepared for those who love him, he's revealed it to us by his spirit. And so I think what Paul's getting at at the very beginning as he's setting up this Corinthian argument, and he's chastising a church that's just, I mean, wrecked with depravity, 
what he's basically saying is, like, you're missing out. God has prepared something so amazing for you that not, not only is it so amazing, it's so amazing that no eye has ever seen it and no ear has ever heard it. And not only that, no mind has ever even conceived it. I think I've, I've preached this before, and I tell this story of when Phil, uh, me and Phil went to, uh, I'll never forget this, Phil. You may not remember this, but we were in South Carolina at, uh, at uh, a political event, and I said, Phil, um, I said, you want to, he'd never seen the ocean. I said, you want to see the ocean? He's like, nah. So I was like, you got to, we're here in South Carolina on the <laughs> beach. You got to see the ocean. And he's like, nah, I have no desire. And I said, well, do you want to get something to eat? He said, now that's a good idea. And I knew there was a restaurant on top of the sand dune. <laughs> so I said, he's going to see the ocean. And I remember as we're walking and we hit that thing, and, and as soon as we hit that peak and you see the ocean for the first time, I mean, feel like you stopped in your tracks. And I just looked at I looked up, Phil just stopped, and he's looking at the at the, the sea for the first time. And the wind's coming off, and he's like, and, and this is what you said. You went, whoa. <laughs> And I, I think it's like it's like we don't have a framework for something that's, that God's prepared for us because it's so much bigger than we can comprehend until we see it. And that's the beatific experience, the Aquinas experience. He saw God and saw, man, this is good. And if we're going to beat sin in our life, if we're going to beat sexual morality, you tell some dude that's been hung up in it for 20 years to quit doing it, yeah, good luck with that. Right. He's got to find something better to fixate his desire on, and I think that's what God offers, and that's what I think Paul is saying here is there is more, and you're settling, as C.S. Lewis said, for mud pies in the slum because you can't fathom a holiday by the sea. Right. You can't You can't comprehend it because you've never seen it. That's but once right. you see it, then you see it. Which is really interesting. You know, that's <clears throat> when I love the ocean too, and but I had not seen it either until I was a teenager because we never went anywhere. And I remember the first time I saw it, I had a similar experience. And not long after that, we started vacationing down there. And I remember being there when I was in preaching school, and I had to write a paper on the 23rd Psalm. And, you know, that's probably the most, you know, everybody knows the 23rd Psalm, right? So what are you going to do unique? But I was just sitting outside of this condo that we were in that John and Chris owned, and I was looking at the ocean. And so I totally saw it through that prism. And I wrote my whole paper on the depth of God and the and the endlessness of God and yeah. the power of God because I was watching those waves come in. So, the, you know, I, I told the 23rd Psalm through the narrative of being at the edge of the ocean. And it was really interesting because it was a great metaphor for who God is because you, you see so many of those qualities, which, by the way, I mean, the earth is three-quarters water, Yeah, you know, and, and, and we're land, you know, driven. Yep. So it shows you there's so much more than we can possibly know or even – discover yeah you know from what's it, underneath endless depth yep i was going to say speaking of this secret wisdom you know he said in first corinthians 4 when he said men ought to regard us as servants of christ which is back to my point about they're servants but they're servants of christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of god and a lot of times paul referred to things as a mystery Remember in Colossians when he said the mystery of godliness mm-hmm. is that Christ is in you. Right. I mean, what a what a statement. You remember when he said in 1 Corinthians 15, which we'll get to, he said, I declare to you, uh, listen, I tell you a mystery. This is 1551. We'll not all sleep or die, but we will all be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound, and and then this transformation will happen, perishable, 
to imperishable. Death will be swallowed up in victory. You know, and he gets to the end, so thanks be to God, he gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And my point is, I think we're trying a lot of times in all our study and trying to figure out all the minor details of the Bible. And Paul is saying, I'm telling you the mystery. I'm solving the mystery. And it's uh, the Lord Jesus Christ coming back. It's that the Lord is living in you. It's all these simple things that he's calling a mystery because people can't wrap their head around. They're like, well, wait a minute now. You know, how do I know all this Bible's true? And how how do I know all this? And my point is a better conversation is when someone's asking you all these complex issues, say, do you know that the Lord Jesus can live inside of you? Mm-hmm. I mean, now that's a thought-provoking question. Yeah. Do you know that your body, though dead, can be raised imperishable? You actually get a, a transformed, imperishable body. I just think that Or the that, book of Ephesians, where he said the mystery is that Jew and Gentile would come together. So a question to say, do you realize that all races of people, all colors, can be truly unified completely? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. And, and, and Great it's, point. Yeah. And, and according, to Paul, said. according to Apostle Paul here, this is a, that the problem is, is that these things can only be understood by the Spirit. Exactly, and that's I would I'll say this. I know we got to run out of time here, but there uh, we were at church after church on Sunday. Went to eat. One of my friends had a white hair growing out of his forehead. I mean, just one, just one white hair. I mean, it's about no, I, you didn't. I didn't pluck it. Oh, okay. no. I <laughs> but, I, but, I, but we were all like, like his, his somebody pointed it out, and yeah. he's like, "Yeah, I grow. I've I always had this because it drives my wife nuts. I won't let her pluck it." And I was like, "Dude, I've known you for for." Three years now, I've never noticed it. I said, but what's funny is now it's all I can notice. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like I can't, I can't unsee this. I can't have a conversation with you as long as that hair. I is. have a feeling somebody's gonna pluck it. And I think that's what it's like when you yeah. see God. Not like, obviously that's a crude example, but I mean, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? Well, that's what I was saying about these mysteries and all these people trying to find the secret. To understand the Bible, the secret to their life, and it's actually when he reveals the mysteries. I taught a lesson one time called, you know, that remember they had that show Unsolved Mysteries, yeah. and I did a lesson Solved Mysteries. Pretty good. And I had these verses, and it's like all of life's mysteries were solved in a pretty simple form. Oh, yeah. But everybody's looking for something deeper than that. So you're illustrating why we need overtime, which we we're about to go to, uh, unashamed overtime. We've been mentioning this uh, on the podcast. You can go to blazetv.com slash unashamed. Use the code by February 7th, more unashamed, and you're going to get $15 off a one-year subscription. So we're about to shift into overtime mode. We'd love if you guys came along. Those of you that are already subscribed, um, maybe Jason remember that lesson. We'll, we'll kick it off with that. So we'll see. We'll see you in overtime. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.